Okay, and the story begins. All right. We're on the second half of chapter 32, page 364. This is the less famous part of the chapter. <laughs> chapter 32 is very famous, but the first half is very famous. All about love. <laughs> and love is unconditional. The reason why love is unconditional, because we unconditionally accept ourselves. We unconditionally embrace our own souls. And now we can appreciate and be more sensitive toward other people's souls. I think we said last, I think I mentioned this last week, when, when the Al-Tudeba, in his first draft of Tanya, he left out chapter 32. Because if you look at the progression of Tanya, the whole purpose is to help us better embrace the soul, to be more sensitive to it. If I'm sensitive to the soul, I'll be sensitive to other people's souls, and that's kind of intuitive. He added chapter 32 later on to actually spell it out for us. He says, I'm not sure if everybody's going to figure this out. I'm going to let, I'm going to say it more clearly, more explicitly. But this is very much in line with the topic, with the themes we've been discussing. The more we are sensitive toward our own souls, the more we should be sensitive towards other souls. Toward other people. And if there's a, if I can appreciate that there's more depth to me than what I, than, than my human consciousness, there's more, I can appreciate that there's more to other people as well. Now, here comes the question in the second half of the chapter Is it ever appropriate to hate? Is it ever appropriate to hate people? Now, we do hate people often. That is a feeling that comes out. Um, but the question is, is that a valid feeling according to the Torah? The Torah doesn't always believe that just because we have a feeling, it's valid. Sometimes we're supposed to reject feelings. Sometimes we're supposed to embrace the feelings. And is hatred ever an appropriate feeling? If yes, when? If no, how do we get rid of it? So hatred always seems like such a strong, extreme word. It um, is a strong word. So, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to think that anybody who is educated um, uh, can can really reach such an extreme place. True. Um, True. It's hard to think that. I mean, for me personally, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that uh, that that don't seem right in the world, but I I don't know that I can use the word hate. Word hate. Yeah. Okay. The truth is, it's going well. Everybody's going to experience this general emotion in their own specific way. Uh, the way he translated it in our book was contempt. Uh, disapproval, if you will. A good point. It's a good point. And I, I think this is how we draw the line. Hate is reactive. Contempt, at least in our context, is intentional. If he's telling you, you must feel this and this, or you must not allow yourself to feel this and this, that means it's an intentional feeling. 
if we're reactively feeling hatred, we didn't choose to feel hatred, a negative feeling is reactively surfacing, it's probably not a good thing in any context. It usually won't be. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the discussion where um, in one, one context, what you're doing is not productive. And in another context, it is productive. Whereas, exactly. So, so hatred feels unproductive. Exactly. Contempt feels okay. I can do something with that, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, he quotes the Talmud. If you look on the the middle bold paragraph, or it's really the last bold paragraph on page three sixty four, middle slash bottom of the page, right under section three. As for the Talmud's teaching that if you witness your friend sinning, it's a mitzvah to show contempt for him. So the Talmud explicitly says we need to show the hatred or contempt. Contempt's a better word. Disapproval for somebody who's sinned. But let's take a look back on page 361, where he first introduced in our chapter the concept of love your fellow. The bold paragraph. I'm going to read the bold paragraph, and here's what he says. When you put into practice the above ideas of being more sensitive to the soul so that your body becomes, quote-unquote, disgusting in your eyes and repulsive. We don't mean that in the literal sense, but more the um, perceiving life from the body. That's what we mean. Focusing on the body is a repulsive thing. And you find happiness and joy in your divine soul alone. This frame of mind will be an easy and success, uh, accessible, straightforward path to come to fulfill the mitzvah of love your fellow as yourself. Here's the key, extending love to every soul of Israel from great to small. You have to love everybody from great to small. Not only do we have to love everybody, we can love everybody from great to small because inside we're all the same. So where does the feeling of disapproval come in here? Where does that fit in? Where does the feeling of contempt for others fit in? Nothing. You hate what they do, and you—it's about the the action and not the person. Because the person in energy is good and beautiful, and there's a soul. You have to get okay, the correct. Okay, perfect. Exactly, and uh, in other words, compartmentalizing people and their behavior, just like ourselves and our behavior, we have to compartmentalize. There's what people do and there's who people are. And we, we rarely know who people are unless you really spend time with them. Really, you don't really know who people are. Um, we think we know, but we judge based on what we on, on what they do. And we, we assume that that's who they are. We don't really know. Um, when, when, when therapists are counseling clients, a whole discussion in ethics you know a therapist meets with somebody once a week for 45 minutes for an hour they might have been meeting for years or months the therapist feels like he knows the person starts making judgment calls on his life but you don't know the person you know an hour of his life a week you know a slice of his life um, and, and this is discussed a lot in ethics, and I think it's very true in our context as well. We don't really know people. We know what they do. We don't know who they are. But we do know that they have a soul. Maybe they're not expressing it, 
Maybe their behavior is not consistent with who they are, their soul. That soul's there, it's covered up. We have to bring it out somehow. But before we get to that, he says there's two steps in determining whether, in, in if, number one, it's appropriate to hate, and when it's appropriate to hate. If and when. Step number one, it's only appropriate to hate, or, or to show contempt, if you will. Hate is, again, I, I keep using that strong verbiage of hate. Um, let's take a look on 365. On 365, he says, when do you show some content for somebody when they've done something wrong? When they are your equal. Somebody who didn't know better, we can't show contempt for them. It's not, a, it's not fair. That's number one. Number two, we have to have rebuked them. Um, and when we say rebuke them, we mean respectfully. And all, all the commentaries on the Torah point that out. That rebuke has to be respectful, has to be in a dignifying way, not in a demoralizing way. And nonetheless, the person continues to intentionally sin, rather than not just habitually, but intentionally. So that's an indication that it's rebelliousness and they need a little bit of, you know, we need to show content for their actions. It's not just they didn't know better. It's not just they didn't, it's intentional. And they were they were rebuked. Now, obviously, rebuke has to be done with great care. Um, it's Talmud, constructive criticism, criticism, constructive criticism, critique. It's yeah. So it means that you can fix things. Exactly. Exactly. In other words, not to God forbid attack somebody. Attacking is never appropriate. Rebuke, uh, con constructive criticism, critique. Is appropriate. The famed Hasidic personality, Reb Hillel Partacher. Hillel was a holy man, and he pointed out once that just as when it comes to a bris, giving somebody a bris, you have to have a bris to give somebody a bris. First, you give yourself a bris when you're eight days old, then later on, you give somebody else a bris. It's the same thing with rebuking somebody. It, First, rebuke yourself. Then, rebuke someone else. We, when before rebuking somebody, before criticizing somebody, really, it's it's so important to look in the mirror. And this is, goes this circles back to what we said in chapter thirty. Somebody needs improvement in something, and we tend to be judgmental. But let's ask ourselves how much effort we're demanding of them, and are we applying that much effort? To our own selves. I'm going to share the screen with you. There's an insight I wanted to share. Hey, Lawrence. Hello. hello. Okay. Okay. Text four. An excerpt from Hayom Yom, the 21st of Elul. Might be the 22nd of L. There might be a mistake there. Hasidic Dr. Ryan, the Hasidic perspective demands that before reproving another, before criticizing somebody, one must, so to speak, pare his own fingernails in order not to gash the other. We're going to give somebody a, night, a little bit of a shake, figuratively speaking. 
Our nails have to be cut. We can't hurt people emotionally. They, the forces of evil of negativity, seized by the fingernails. Every stab is klipa and sitra akhra. If we stab somebody, if we hurt somebody when criticizing, we're not doing them a favor. We're hurting them. That's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's appropriate to criticize constructively, like Sharon said, constructive criticism, critique. But if it's going to hurt somebody, um, or if it's going to be done with the intention of hurting somebody, sometimes truth does hurt. But if it's going to be with the intention of hurting, that's not a good thing. After the nails are paired, there must be laving of the hands, as explained in Hasidus, calling forth intellect into emotions. According to Jewish law, you have to wash your hands after we cut our fingernails. We do a ritual hand washing because our hands are impure from those nail cutting. And um, that, I mean, that's the basic explanation. The basic explanation is our hands became impure, we got to wash them. I have something to say. So, when you constructively criticizing, worked out what is the solution. So, you have to have worked through it yourself so that you can be able to, if you're constructively criticizing, you options so that they're actually feeling okay and they can do the better option. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, um, oh, thanks, John. <laughs> um, actually, um, when criticizing, you know, we have to look, the Baal used to say, if we see something negative in somebody, it's a reflection of our own selves. We have that issue. It doesn't mean that they don't have the issue. It means we do have the issue, and that's why we've noticed it. So when somebody does something... So, that's uh, so, so now we could, so the approach is instead of, I'm criticizing you for what you're doing, it's, I have that issue within me, maybe on a more microcosmic level, maybe not on the same level. Let's work on this together. And we've washed our hands because you kind of work through it yourself so that you can help the other person work through it as well. So what washing hands represents um, from a Kabbalistic perspective, the concept of water represents wisdom, intellect. That's why water is stagnant. Unless it's moved, as opposed to fire, which is always moving, that represents passion. Water represents intellect. We wash our hands, which represent emotions. It's a more external part of ourselves. Our intellect has to guide our emotions. Once we've cut our emotions, once we've cut our feelings, once we've cut our nails, so now that when we emotionally approach somebody to criticize them, we're not going to stab them, we need to guide that tactfully, intentionally, soulfully, but not reactively in a way where it's going to hurt someone. So there, there's a lot of talk in, in Jewish law and Jewish literature, how to rebuke somebody when it's appropriate to rebuke somebody, when it's not appropriate to rebuke somebody. Um, definitely, if somebody's going to be embarrassed, it shouldn't be done. Some halachic authorities maintain that you should never rebuke anybody because we're not good enough at deciphering whether they're going to be embarrassed or not. Um, obviously, everything is case specific. But the reason why I bring this is the al Rebbe says it's, it's appropriate to rebuke somebody. Sorry, it's appropriate to show contempt for somebody, to feel negative 
emotions toward them if we've first rebuked them. And if they're the type of person that we should be rebuking. Um, sorry, what, Sharon, what were you saying about the water? You had a good insight there. So the water, you, you fix the problem. So you, the water washes, you, you've got all the, the knowledge for yourself and you wash it away because you've worked through it. So, and when you wash your hands, you've actually worked through your own stuff. And that's how you recognize it, but you've been all you can have. You, you, because right. you've been giving constructive criticism, you understand the problem is working. Right. Giving the person insight, you know? Right. Right. And exactly. Choice whether they want to do something with it or not. But it's that washing of the hands is like symbolic that you work through it. Right. And, you know, coming in clean. If we want to clean others, we got to clean ourselves. <laughs> we never want to be on, on, the, on the high horse. He continues in the chapter. He says, if somebody is not rebukable, they're not going to listen or... It's not appropriate for us to rebuke them. Um, then you got to love them. That's the only option. The great sage Hillel says, he brings us on the bottom of 365 and the top of 366. The great sage, Talmudic sage, or pre-Talmudic and Mishnaic sage, Hillel, said we should be a student of Aharon, of Aaron. Be Aaron's student. Learn from him. Aaron, what did Aaron do? Be the disciples of Aaron, the top of 366. Love peace and pursue peace. Love all creatures, bring them close to the Torah. Through love, not through rebuke. We see somebody doing something inappropriate. We have to bring them in with love. This is so difficult. Now, you can love them, specifically but not what they do. What? You can love them, but not what they do. Because you cannot accept, if they're making you feel not good, you, can't, you don't have to love how they make you feel, but you can love them as a person and hopefully bring out the good in them. Exactly. In other words, we don't have to justify people's behaviors um, that are inappropriate. We can love them. We can feel contempt toward what they're doing. We don't have to justify their behavior. You know, in a certain, on a certain level, it's kind of appropriate to feel contempt. Because if I don't feel contempt, what does that show about our relationship? How strong is the love between two people if there can't be hate or disapproval when there's negative behavior? Pretty superficial. Right. Right. If the love is unconditional and there's never negative feelings, there's no annoyance, there's no love. You know, Ellie Wiesel used to say that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love, the antithesis of it, anyone know? Indifference. Apathy. Or apathy. Did he say apathy or indifference? I don't know. Okay, one of the two. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Just because we hate, we love someone, doesn't mean we can't feel contempt toward them. 
And on the contrary, if somebody's doing something we shouldn't, if we truly love them, we would feel contempt. We would feel annoyed. You know, there, there's a lot of negativity going around you know, in these days. It's frustrating. It's annoying. I'm not personally contemptful toward individuals because I don't know them. And I don't, you know, I'm sure they're maybe deep down inside they're good people, but I don't, what do they have to do with me, right? But if there's somebody who I really loved that I saw doing that, I would feel a lot more contemptful. I would be a lot more upset. If they intend, if they're aware of the behavior and the intent is bad, then it, it becomes more of a, a like, it's, it's, a, it's a worse feeling, you know. Aware of it and they do it. Sorry, one more time. Sorry. One more time. If, if they're aware of the, 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 what they're doing and, they, they, and they've got insight into it and they still do it, that means that you got more and have content. Right. But if they're not aware, then they got good intentions and they're doing it anyway. Because they're kind of good or not. Right. Well, look at it this way. How do you know? The first half of the chapter is all about love. Right? I've discovered my inner self. And now I can appreciate other people's inner selves. How can I be sure that I really love somebody if I can hate them? If I can hate them, why do you know when a when a Jew goes on vacation? You see this a lot in New York, or you see this a lot in like highly concentrated Jewish communities. A Jew goes on vacation. He's trying to escape his community. Wants a little bit of break from being on top of everybody, and from all the um, you know, it gets very tight knit, very close. Everybody's in shul together. The neighbors that. Go on vacation, you find this place in the middle of nowhere, this beach town, you have this beautiful Airbnb on the beach, and you think you've escaped the world. And there's other vacationers there, and you're totally fine. But then, you're sitting on your beachfront, and you see the neighbor in their beachfront is a guy that looks just like you with the beard and the kippah, and you go, oh, shoot, why are there Jews here? <laughs> I, I've, I've seen this so many times. Why does it bother him that there's a Jew there? There's tons of Jews. There's tons of other people. He doesn't care about the other people. He cares about Jews. He wants a break from them because he's a Jew. Maybe I, I used to go through the same thing when I lived in Japan. When I would see Americans, I'd be, why are there Americans here? <laughs> yeah, similar idea. You feel a certain feeling. In other words, I, the word hate, like you said, Mike, is a very strong word. It's not necessarily accurate. But what we mean, but, but you feel contempt towards somebody because you love them. You love somebody, you can't truly um, hate them in a meaningful way. Meaningful hate and there's, there's uh, inappropriate, you know, then there's raging hate, you know, just a rage, which is a little bit different. So maybe he doesn't want the other Jew there to judge him. He can't be a slob now. There's another Jew watching him. Exactly. <laughs> can't can't go eat the lobster on the boardwalk or whatever. You 
know that story. There was a rabbi who goes on vacation and wants to um, says, you know what? I've never had pork before. Nobody's here. I'm by myself. What's the worst that can happen? He goes to the restaurant and he's a little shaky because he's never done this before and it's beyond inappropriate. <laughs> and he orders some white steak. And they bring to the table a, a full pig roasted with the apple in its mouth, the whole shebang. And as he's sitting it down, the waiter brings it to him and he sees one of his congregants walk in <laughs> and he's just shocked. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> the congregant goes, Rabbi, I didn't expect to see you here. How are you? He says, this place is crazy. I order an apple and look what they give me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> not a true story. Don't worry. But our point What's is first, the, uh, the lying or the, uh, the, the ordering. <laughs> Good question. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the ordering, but I guess they're both wrong, <laughs> but to truly love someone. We have to be able to hate them. You know, God forbid somebody experiences a divorce and they're able to just be buddy-buddy with their ex as if nothing happened. No anger, no hard feelings, no contempt. Not that we're not, we're not endorsing that we should feel angry at people. It's not the point. But there's no natural contempt. What does that say about how their relationship was in the first place? Did they ever love each other? Exactly. If it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't, um, if it doesn't hurt, if it doesn't bite, where's the value in the relationship? And by the way, sometimes with God, we should feel angry at God. Maybe sometimes it's appropriate to feel angry if somebody else is suffering, if somebody's going through pain. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And it's the same with our people. To really love your fellow. You have to. You don't have to hate him. But you have to have the potential to hate him. You shouldn't actually hate him. Okay. So that's number one. Before God forbid. Or before being able to show contempt. Number one. Have they earned it? <laughs> Have we criticized them constructively, respectively, and sensitively? That's number one. Number two, even in the situation where we do feel contempt towards someone, it's important to remember that that doesn't mean we can't love them. Uh, let's take a look on 367. Page 367, the, um, it's the middle, right under where it says section 4, the middle of the page, the bold paragraph. And in the above case of sitting individuals who are close to you and on par with your observance, whom you have rebuked, but they have not stopped sinning, toward whom, as learned above, it's a mitzvah to show contempt to them, 
That does not mean you should just show contempt to them. There's also a mitzvah to love them too. Is it possible, question for, is it possible to truly, to honestly love somebody and hate them at the same time? Can you feel two, two emotions, two polar emotion towards, emotions towards somebody at the same time and have them both be honest? Is it possible? When I, when I think about that, um, it, it comes back to differentiating, dif- differentiating between the person and their actions. So are you truly hating that person? No, you're probably hating their behavior. And so um, it's almost like it's the wrong question. Well, maybe it's not the wrong question, but it's... Not very good. Um, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, because you're at that point, you're really not loving and hating them because you're loving them, but you're hating their behavior. Exactly. Exactly. And actually, the Rebbe actually explains, takes it to a further step. In, on the inside, you love them. On the outside, you're showing hatred. You're showing contempt. Contempt is more of a behavior. Love is a feeling. You should always love them. But you could still, on the outside, show contempt for them. The inside is loving who they are. The outside is showing contempt for what they've done. Your inside is loving their in, in, who they are, their inside. Your outside, your behavior is showing contempt or your, your, your um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it, you get what I'm saying. It's showing contempt for their outside, what they've done. Isn't, um, based on what you were saying before, that, um, you know, having a feeling for someone uh, demonstrates something and being angry at them is a feeling towards them that's different than apathy. Doesn't that, you know, the fact that we're angry at someone mean that we care about them in some sense? Um, If we didn't care about them, if we didn't love them, would we feel anger? Exactly. And if they care about them, Therefore, I'm upset at what they've done. And if you extrapolate that uh, to someone who does some horrible crime that you don't know, can you be angry at that person um, because you you don't know them? They're distant from you. You've never met them, never even heard of them. Right. right. So what, what what is is how is that is that feeling that we feel different than anger? The premise I'm trying to work, I'm struggling with, is that does being angry angry with someone have a precursor that we care about them or love them in some sense? Or is it possible to be angry at someone and, you know, not care about them or or, or hate them? So I I would say... It's a good question. What I would say, what I would think off the bat is if we don't care about them, we can be angry at them. If we care about them, we'll be angry at what they do, but not at them. We would never say their existence is a mistake. Can, can if they don't fix the behavior once they've got insight into it, can you distance yourself from it? 
and then you won't do me anymore because you can actually take yourself away from the the the, the, the problem. Some sometimes that's appropriate. Sometimes that's appropriate. Um, it says in Pirkei Avot, it says two things. Distance yourself from an, a bad neighbor and don't connect with a wicked person. And commentaries explain, when it comes to a neighbor, they're living there, they're, it's your living quarters, they can have an influence on you. You have to distance yourself. But if it's not a neighbor, you can be influential, just don't get too close that it's going to be, you know, that you'll be influenced. You don't have to be distanced, but just don't get too close. But when it comes to a neighbor, when it comes to a, the potential of being influenced, um, it's, it, it is appropriate to distance ourselves sometimes. Um, some, you know, and sometimes the best way to, if it's not an intimate relationship, you have to work on sometimes it's okay to just walk away you know if it's at work or, or whatever it is sometimes that's that's fine you know somebody asked me once a while ago rabbi this this person at work we're not friends and this person bothers me what do i do so i said i have two answers for you i have my philosophical answer and i described ideas in this chapter and i have my practical answer walk away <laughs> Um, sometimes that's the easiest thing, and sometimes that is appropriate. Now, in an intimate relationship, in an interpersonal relationship with a spouse or or a friend, obviously that's going to make things worse. You know, stonewalling is not a good thing. So it kind of depends on the context. I'm going to share the screen with you one more, or not one more time, maybe several more times. We'll see. Probably sharing it again. Let's see. Okay. So two two texts I, I would like to share. Um, text I'm going to go out of order. Text two, and then we'll do text one. Text two is a book called Maor Enayim. Maor Enayim is a collection of teachings from the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. Here's what he says: Even if one sees negativity within someone else and hates the negativity. However, he should still love the holy part of them as his own soul. Although somebody's done something that I despise and that I perhaps should find despicable, that doesn't have to impact my impression of them. Because who they are is what they do. Unfortunately, the two are not aligned. This concept is very much emphasized in the Hasidic world, in Hasidic teachings, in the Hasidic doctrine, if you will. It goes back all the way to the earlier or later Kabbalists, a book called Tomer Tevora by Rabbi Moshe Kardavero, a Sephardic Kabbalist. He says, one should accustom himself to internalize the love of people in his heart and even the evildoers as if they were his brothers and even more. We should always display love toward people. That doesn't mean we can't um, feel contempt for what they've done, 
despite what they've done, there's a deeper part of who they are. This is so much fun to talk about, so difficult to implement. This is very demanding. Think about it. This is very demanding. Is this not this love that you show, like unconditional, like positive regard? So you see somebody unconditionally positively, and there's the, and you see the potential more, more than the, the 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 feeling of love, <laughs> you know, for when someone's done something bad. I think the feeling of love. Look, there's different, there's varying degrees of love. I mean, but but I th I think it's more than just respect. Mm -hmm. Respect is an important feeling. We have to have common courtesy for people. You know, we have to treat everybody with respect. But to feel that, that there's a common connection that we both share is there's, there's something deep and powerful about that. Just because we're all Jews, just because we all have a common soul. So yes, you've done something that I find offensive. Not you, God forbid. Yes, somebody has done somebody that something that I find offensive. Something that is just inappropriate. And I feel contempt toward that. I still have to love them. I feel contempt toward what they've done. I feel love toward who they are. And my love will hopefully inspire them to align who they are with what they do. So what they do is actually an honest reflection of who they are. A real representation of who they are. Like it says, be a student, a disciple of Aaron. Pull people in with ropes of love. That's what he says. Where are we? On, on, um, on page... Page 366, the second paragraph. It's the, it's the last line on the second paragraph. Nevertheless, you must draw them in with thick cords of love. If you look close, I'm going to go back, back to the top of 366. Be a disciple of Aaron, love peace, pursue peace, love all creatures. Why does it say creatures if not people? There's some people that are just so low, we just see them as creatures. <laughs> the only good thing we could say about them is the fact that they were just created by God. I can't find any other redeeming qualities. They're just creatures. So isn't it really creations? Or create, yeah, but I guess it just depends on the translation. But the, we, either way, we have to love them. We have to love them. And at times it's appropriate to hate them or to hate what they've done. And if we hate what they've done, if it really bothers us, that may be a testament to how powerful our love for them really is. Now, that doesn't mean we should just allow ourselves to hate people and justify it. Oh, it's love. You know? <laughs> so we've got to be careful with this. It is, a, it is a fine line. It is a sticky area. There's a fine line between, because love is supposed to be give and take. It can't be just one way love, because then you're kind of stupid. <laughs> I don't know, it's like in my head it says, so, so it's a take. And if you're giving feedback and you care enough to give the feedback and then they fix the problem, then it's a total love. And then you don't put them in a loop with them to 
fix it constructively. But I, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I'm just. There's, love is just the feeling. There's different ways of expressing it. Love can be giving. Sometimes love is through not giving. Um, how many times, you know, as parents, and I, I don't have much experience to talk about, but do you not give a kid what they want because you love them? That's a behavior. It's not a love. You can't just keep no, no. giving love. You'll drain yourself. Well, think about it this way. A kid comes over, not my kid, and they want candy. Sure, take candy. They want more candy. Take more candy. They want even more candy. Take even more candy. Take as much candy as you want. My kid says, can I have candy? Have a candy. Can I have another one? No. Why? The kid that came over, I don't care about as much as my kid. I, or maybe I'm more, I'm the one paying the dental bill for this kid. I'm not paying the dental bill for that kid. But <laughs> I love this kid. I, I like that kid. I like that kid. I'll give him candy. I love this kid. I'm not giving him candy. Tough but, but I did give the first candy. So love can be express itself through giving, it could express itself through through withholding. There's different ways of expressing the love. And and, and I, I think that's an important I think you're right, Sharon, that how we express the love, you know, we have to be responsible. Love has to be done love has to be a responsible experience. The the withholding part in your examples we often call it tough love. Tough love, exactly. Just just to illustrate this idea, Abraham, Avraham According to Kabbalah, represents the trait of love. There's verses in the Torah that that uh, refer to him as a kind person specifically, and he represented he was the spiritual epitome of love, undiscretional love. And because of that, he merited a great son Isaac. And because of his undiscretion, his lack of discretion, he had an evil son Ishmael. Because you know, you're good, but too good, and, and, you know, it gets out of hand. Isaac, Yitzchak, represents discipline, the spiritual trait of discipline. And while discipline worked, he gave birth to Jacob, to Yaakov. He also gave birth to Esav, his evil twin. Too much discipline is no good. Yaakov was compassion, the perfect balance between discipline and love. That's compassion. And he had 12 righteous sons because of that. Just in terms of his their parenting styles. Now, yes, their sons had their hiccups, had their issues, but they ended up being 12 different, uh, righteous sons. And we'll circle back to this concept in a second. Practically speaking, Somebody does, you know, this is really great in a theoretical world, in a utopian society. Somebody does something wrong. You know, if I was a robot, okay, I love, I hate what you just did. I love who you are. I could tell that to myself, to myself. How do I actually experience that? How do I make this real? He gives very practical advice. On page 368, if a person is doing something, we disapprove of that offends us and we feel hatred towards them what we need to do is arouse awaken compassion feel bad for them when we feel bad for them that kind of dampers or dims the hate and awakens the love 
I'm going to read the second. Um, you know, I'm going to read from the top. Top of 368. Both emotions are valid. Contempt because of the evil in them. And love because of the component of good which is hidden in them. Which is the spark of God within them that energizes their divine souls. I'm going to skip to the next bold paragraph. Also, you ought to arouse compassion in your heart for that person's divine soul. Because it is a divine soul exiled amid the evil of the sitra achra, of the klipa, of the negativity. Which is in the case of Rishayim overpowers the divine soul. So if a person's done something which we feel contempt toward, how do we all still empower ourselves to love them? Feel bad for them. I feel bad that they're in that situation, that they're in a situation where their divine soul has become has become a captive to their impulses. Okay, so so um, if you're the horrible person and embarrasses somebody in public, say okay, if that person because they your behavior is hurtful, then they just love you and they say, oh, we love you because you, um, because we know that there's some good in you. Point right. out how it makes you feel. Then, then are you doing the halachic thing? Or you point out how it makes you feel and they still do it and they don't understand from where you're coming. Do you continue to love them and feel sorry for them? Well, that, that's what it is. It's feeling sorry for them enables us to really love them, not just be mad at them. <laughs> it is a very difficult chapter. It's a fun chapter to talk about. It's a very hard chapter to implement. But it's really the essence of, of Judaism. You know, love your fellow is the rest is commentary. Um, and the re soul. You ignore your own soul to deal with, to help the other person. Why do you have to ignore your own soul? Because your soul has been taught that what's right and wrong and it's the and the bad behavior is affecting your soul and you're loving that person for who they are and yourself to actually um let them know how you feel because you don't want to embarrass them but you should actually tell them right. so that you don't and maybe privately tell them so right right but if after that you the behavior continues it's well, it looks like i froze can you still hear me I see the problems on his end. Yeah, we lost him. Oh well. Hope he comes back soon. <laughs> talk, talk amongst yourselves. Way of emphasizing his point. does seem to be repeating a lot that this is a, a very difficult chapter to implement, but a fun one to talk about. I guess it's uh, the idea of loving people that we're mad at is, is supposed to be fun to talk about, even though it's impossible or very difficult to do. So I think it's like a matter of degrees. If it's just a kind of bad person, yeah, I can probably still love that person. But if they're just 100% evil, and it's very hard to, it's like impossible to implement. 
that's happening now all around us, right? With all this uh, yeah, the riots and the... It's a perfect time to be studying this chapter. And we have to love them for who they are. You're cutting out a little bit. Can you say that again? We have to feel sorry for them. We have to we have to accept them for who they are, the people who've done so much horrible stuff. But it's we're not allowed to hate them. So I, I always think when I look at these situations, I think you like the extreme example, like Hitler. Okay, I'm on. I'm on the phone. My computer went out for some reason. It's not working. Oh, okay. We can hear you now. Okay. Well, we can. Okay, hold on. Let me just let me just get the my earpods on. Give me a second. I I I think of an example like somebody that's evil, like Hitler. Like how how would I deal with someone like that? Yeah, that I, I think the there law? are exceptions to every rule. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We we were talking a little bit amongst ourselves when you dropped out. So continuing the discussion. Right. No worries. Right. So you know when when somebody when we feel anger towards someone, if we feel bad for them that their soul has become a captive to their will be empowered to, you know, the, the anger, the hate, the contempt will hopefully be, uh, will simmer down a little bit and we'll be able to appreciate who they are beyond their actions, beyond their behavior. Um, you know, that's why it says in the verse, the verse in Isaiah, it says to Jacob, to Yaakov, who redeemed Abraham, who redeemed Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, we said, represents love. And Jacob, Yaakov, represents compassion. Compassion will reveal love. Oh, you guys still there? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. I can't see anything, so I, ju I just hear it so much. <laughs> you were waiting for us to respond. <laughs> I wasn't sure my phone. But, um, yeah, so, sorry. I didn't mean to inter interrupt the thoughts. What were you guys saying before? Go ahead, We were talking about it all hard it is to love people like the pro the uh looters maybe isn't that what we were talking right about? oh yeah we were kind of relating it to the current situation like right that this is a perfect time to be studying this chapter it, it's very timely you know what it's it's hard it's you know just to watch a looter on the news you know and especially a group of them i, I think it's difficult to to implement this chapter but I think if we if you theoretically were to sit down with one of these people or even a group of these people and have a conversation we could probably really bring out uh, a deep side of them you know showing contempt for their behavior what 
need to put energy into it and it requires you to have the energy to put into getting to know the looter yeah it's you're right it's not it's not necessarily it's it's not a hundred percent it's not necessarily realistic but there's in that application i mean there's more um personal applications we could have with this is very applicable to relationships that we already have let's, let's put it that way well you, you also can't connect on the soul level when you're just seeing somebody on tv and it's more just an object at that point you exactly. have to, yeah you have to have a personal interaction exactly. But I, I, I think in, I think it's important to still realize, even if we're not dismissing behavior, that they're deep down inside they're good and what they've done is okay. And, you know, looting is wrong. <laughs> There's no excuses. Is, um, not, not to say that they don't have a right to be angry at the current situation and somebody was brutally murdered and, and, and total 100%. We need empathy and I... I I'm not dismissing any of that, then. but I'm just saying somebody did something wrong. We have to love them, but we still should feel disapproval toward the behavior. Otherwise, circling back to what we said originally, what value is that relationship? Now, with somebody we see on TV, you're right. It's not a relationship, but in terms of how this applies to, to people that we do know and that we are in touch with, it's well, difficult, but very practical. <laughs> Um, I was just thinking, um, as I mentioned about the TV examples, I often mm -hmm. see when people are talking about stuff on an online forum, there's so much hate and vitriol expressed on the forum. But if the same people were talking in person, I don't think it would get so vitriolic. And I think it's maybe the same thing when you, you see the person as an object, like on an online forum, it's easy to hate them. You just seeing the right. words, right? Be able right. to see into their eyes and see their soul, and then you're, right. you're yeah. In other words, seeing people not as people, not just as as doers, but as beers. Yeah. So a good reason seeing to get off of social are. media. <laughs> something. There's something to that. <laughs> you know that there's some people. You know, hopefully when this is all over and we all get to see each other in person, everybody will have um, a deeper under, um, understanding of each other that goes beyond the crazy posts they've been doing on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram and, and beyond their <laughs> all the craziness. So, so, so actually that is a question um, since things, well, they were kind of opening up. I don't know that's still the case anymore, but are there going to be, I know for Shavuos, there was some kind of gathering. Um, the Shabbos is coming up. Is it going to be, are we basically back to doing everything at home again or? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be you know, as long as it's safe and legal, we, we'll do it. We'll do what's safe and legal. I like when we have like uh, before the service, we have a little online thing. And... Right. You know, what? I, I agree. There's, I think this has definitely taught us to think out of the box. Yeah. You know, I know for me, it's definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> Teaching online and, and, and stuff like that.
I wish we could have it so that this whole pandemic never happened, but at least there is some good thing out of it that we, like you said, thinking out of the box to do things we yeah, didn't do there before. Is, there is a lot to learn, but that's the story. Are you sticking to it? Sticking to it. <laughs> Speaking of stories, Josh, can I ask you to um, uh, remind me of a story that um, I forgot the source, but basically it was the story goes that there's this guy who lived in a big house and had a lot of possessions and uh, he 